Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 209 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. Today is February 20th, 2012. Happy President's Day to everyone out there. Uh, We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez about USC recruiting a little bit later on in the show. We'll also have Coach Harvey Hyde coming up in just a second. We're going to get to him, but if you have any questions or comments, just want to let you know, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there. If you want to leave a voice message, you can do it right on peristylepodcast.com. Just look on the left side of the page, click on leave a voice message, and you can do that. We'll play it on the air and listen to what you have to say. But We have in the first segment... As usual, he was on secret assignment last week, though. But Coach Harvey Hyde is joining us. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm doing great, and um, it's great to be back. I sort of missed it, right? I want I want you to know that you sort of missed uh, being on with all you guys and talking about Trojan football and all the questions that people send in. And I want to say I'm glad I'm back, and I thank you for the opportunity of being on this uh, great uh, podcast that we do. And I want to say to all of our Trojan fans out there that don't worry, USC, the state of USC football is in good hands. And we got a lot of questions on that too, Coach. So with new coaching staff, so we're going to try to get to all of those. Uh, but I want to thank our sponsor, sctickets.com. It's Southern California Tickets, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, concerts, any kind of cool sporting events, theater. I went to uh, the Northern Trust Open this, this past weekend. Coach had a good time there. So if you need tickets for something like that, I know there's some some fun stuff coming up. So. Check it out. Are you a big golf guy, Coach? Not a big golf guy, but I want you to know, I really enjoyed that yesterday. I sat there and watched that tournament. I tell you, the finish of that tournament couldn't have been any better. Believe me, all of a sudden I found out who these guys are. I know who Mickelson is, of course, but these other guys are young guys. There's so many tremendous young athletes today. It's just amazing. Anyone can just come out of nowhere and win a tournament. And the amount of money they win is unbelievable, too. And it's just great to to be able to see talent like that and the shots they make and the competition and the sportsmanship. I mean, giving each other knuckles and so on when they went into overtime. Uh, It just, or the playoff, not overtime. That's basketball or something. But but, uh, it was was great watching, uh, watching. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I had fun, too. I went on Friday and Saturday. I got to see Phil up close. It's neat. I've never been to a golf. I mean, I like golf. I'm not that great. I'm kind of a hack, but it's fun to... I've never watched an actual tournament before. To see some of those guys up close, Sergio and all these people you've seen on TV was kind of kind of a fun deal. But, yeah, it would have been fun to be there yesterday. Um, well, Coach, let's jump into... Uh, the. I guess the biggest news around the program has been the hires uh, from Lane Kiffin, some of the assistant coaches that were hired, and uh, we got to mention Scotty Hazelton, you know, the linebacker coach, and uh, Marvin Sanders from uh, originally from, well, the last job was at Nebraska, but then they hired him uh, down south there, uh, Florida Atlantic. And then, you know, Lane Kiffin hired him away for the DB coach. And then we got word that T. Martin, uh, former Tennessee national champion quarterback, uh, and then he was the passing coordinator at the University of Kentucky, uh, was hired as well. Uh, before we get into the questions, Coach, maybe kind of get your thoughts on, on the new coaches that are coming in. Well, first of all, you know, that's a long question and uh, because coaches are, are so important to a coaching staff, especially when you have a staff that has been there and worked with these kids and there's a lot of hype on the next season and players are somewhat concerned when coaches leave because they become bonded with these coaches and, and uh, they're almost like a parent of these coaches they spend so much time together uh, sometimes it's great to have coaches move on and then sometimes it can really hurt you because you have to bring these coaches in and make them accustomed to all of your players they've got to meet the players 
They've got to learn the techniques and terminology that you use as far as what Monty might use on offense and what Lane might use on or defense and what Lane might use on offense and so on. So there's a period of time that the coaches are coaching the coaches. And it's a, a time when you have to evaluate uh, everything. And, and because it's important, your, your first impressions when you meet a player, when you come in and you're a coach, you have to meet the players as a group. You have to individually meet those players uh, so that you know about them, who they are, uh, their strong points, their weaknesses, their family backgrounds, and so on. And they have to know about you. Because uh, I've always said this, and you've heard me talk about this on our shows, you can't spake someone until that individual knows you love them. And once they know that, you can do anything. So it takes a period of time to build up this bounding. That coach is, and player, that player is evaluating the coach as much as that coach is evaluating the player. So it takes some time to put that all together and, and uh, I think that should happen. And if you notice, too, uh, that, uh, well, I'm going to be speaking at the at Del Mar uh, Thursday at the uh, Del Mar Country Club to the Trojan Club down there. And these are some of the things that I'm going to be talking about. So if you are listening, you might hear some of this repeat in my uh, talk. But it's so important today, if you notice the age of the coaches that he is hiring are young coaches that have been great players or have proven themselves as coaches. It's very important that you hire not just coaches who have a great deal of, say, experience but are older than the kids because they can't really communicate with the kids. They don't know the kids' music. They don't know the movies they like, their idols their hairstyle, their clothing, their earrings, all of these different things that mean so much to kids today, you have to be able to talk about that stuff with them. Not only your own players that you're coaching, but when you go into recruiting. And what Lane has done here, too, is diversify his staff where he will have more strength in different areas nationally. He didn't hire a bunch of coaches out of the same area like in California, not that you need to. You should always uh, give the local Southern California coach that special look because that's where a great deal of talent is, and that's where you always get your players from, or at least 80% of them. So if you hire a Southern California coach, a high school coach, a community college coach, or so on, that gives the coaches in the area you recruit the most a thought that maybe someday if I help USC or send them some players or do a good job, I may be a coach at USC. So you have to be real smart on on your hirings, yet you do also have to get the best talent and the best coach and the best recruiter and all the things that go along with hiring a coach. So it's not an easy thing to do. Plus, those coaches have to come in and fit in with the current staff and they can't come in and be overwhelming with the current staff, but yet they have to come in and give their views, because they've been hired to give their views. And I think on defense, I think it was important that Monty and Lane hired some defensive coaches that have seen the spread, that have seen the Wildcat, that have seen these different looks, and have done a great job in defensing them. Because when you face more of it, you have more experience as far as saying this is what we did and this is how it worked. Now, when you look at the Pac-12 coming up, you've got to hire some defensive coaches that uh, can stop Mike Leach, somebody that's seen Mike Leach, somebody that's seen Rich Rodriguez, somebody that's that's, uh, Todd Graham, and these new coaches that are in now, the Pac-12, because they're going to wing the football. This is going to be a passing football league. It's going to be some high scoring. So defense is going to be very important that you hire some coaches that do fit in and can assist Monty Kiffin and Ed Orgeron, not that they don't know what they're doing. I'm saying add to the intelligence of putting a game plan together. So it's real important. And also T. Martin, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a coordinator in himself. And if you notice, every coach that came – was a coordinator of some type. So they have proven themselves as far as knowing what they're doing, 
won championships. T. Martin winning a national championship. Now in the, was coaching the passing game at Kentucky. Uh, Scotty uh, Hazelton at North Dakota State. They won a national championship. Doesn't make any difference what level you went at, but you won. And then, of course, uh, Marvin Sanders uh, from Florida Atlantic uh, being at Nebraska. So, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, he went out, and it was a difficult thing to hire that many coaches, but I think that, uh, that uh, you know, people are probably saying he turned his back on Holt and some of the other guys that have been at USC, but sometimes you can't just always hire your friends. You got to hire people that add to your staff, and I think this is probably what he was out to accomplish, and he probably did. Let's give him that doubt that these guys are going to fit in and get it done because they've got some great talent to work with. I agree with you, Coach, and I do like the hires. And I was uh, I, I wasn't real much of a fan of going after a bunch of NFL guys. I'm glad they got a bunch of guys with college experience, and I think it's a good mix on the staff. So we'll see where it goes from here but let's get to we have a bunch of questions so i want to try to get to them coach let's see dave and san clemente he's like when lane kiffin hires new assistant coaches do they discuss how many years lane expects them to stay at usc is there some unwritten agreement or expectation that assistants will be there for x number of years and i guess if you look at ted gilmore he only came to usc for one year after leaving nebraska and he moved on to the nfl is there some kind of unwritten rule here or something coach not really, not really. Uh, you may give someone a two-year contract or a three-year contract. You may, but there isn't because if someone can improve themselves or move on for a reason to become a head football coach or if they think the NFL is better for them and what their career goals are, you got to let them go. You don't want to let them go, but you want to say that you stopped the guy from going? How happy would he be on your staff? Uh, how much would he contribute? What would he say in recruiting? Uh, you can't have people on your staff who don't mesh in and don't bleed cardinal and gold or whatever colors your school color is and be happy that they're there. So it's very important that, yes, you want the best coaches. you got to remember another thing. When I, I used to hire the best coaches I could find. And by hiring the best coaches you can find, you're going to lose coaches. They're going to move on. I used to tell my coaches, I remember one guy I interviewed, I said, why do you want to come to UNLV? This was at Pasadena City College. I said, why do you want to come to Pasadena City College? Because he says, I want your job someday. And I said, you know what, that's about as good an answer like I can hear. Because, you know, if he gets my job, then I got a better job. That means I can move on and he can be promoted. Well, in the coaching business, that's what you try to do all the time. Until you reach a position, say it. Alabama or SC or Notre Dame or whatever your lifelong dream is, Ohio State, anywhere you're from. So if you're going to hire great coaches, you're going to lose coaches because everybody watches and sees what they do, and if they're successful, they're going to move on and become head coaches or coordinators or go to the NFL. So that's part of the deal. But you can't be afraid to surround yourself with good people. Where your biggest downfall is, is if your ego does not allow yourself to have great coaches or big-name coaches around you. And what happens, because you don't have great coaches, you think it's all you. In the long run, it isn't all you. <laughs> and you'll lose your job. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Dave. Let's see. Ron wants to know, the hiring of T. Martin looks to be a very smart move with his experience playing quarterback in the SEC and winning a national championship, this should not only help the entire team, but will booster the confidence of an even already existing, already, I'm sorry, outstanding receiving corps. Well, I think so. I think, first of all, the name of Team Martin, uh, and you got to remember something. Kids don't remember Team Martin, probably. Uh, they might have been in junior high, maybe, or maybe elementary school when he played. You, you got to remember, a coach, no matter what his name is, has got to prove to these kids today who he is. By the way he treats them, by the way he coaches them, and how he coaches them to become better. That is what players do to evaluate a coach today. It's not on what he's done in the past. They couldn't care less about that. 
They want to know what he can do for us and our team. So I think Team Martin has a good name as far as recruiting in the South, in the Southeastern Conference. Why? He has a lot of ties there because a lot of the coaches down in that area know who T. Martin is. And when he goes in there, they accept him because he's been going there before. And he has the trust of a lot of coaches down there. That is where the, the relationships are. It's going in and saying, no, we don't want that player. We want that one, the same one Alabama and Auburn wants. And this is why that was a good hire. The kids, T. Martin, if you were to go out there, Ryan, you're at practice all the time, workouts, ask him what year he played and what did he do. They don't know anything more that's been what's in the newspaper unless he sat down and told them about himself a little bit. What they care about is how he coaches them and how he can make them a better football player and his relationships. So I think all the coaches uh, uh, have that challenge to, to come in because they follow good coaches. John Barry, I mean, I mean, really, a very popular coach. The coaches that left are very popular coaches. So, you know, they have uh, uh, an act to follow. So I think it's very important, as I, as I said earlier, for the coaches to convince the players that they're there for them. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Ron. Let's see. Melvin has a concern uh, with the new hires. It looks like uh, all the positions are now filled, except the, there's still grad assistant positions open now, at least one. Um, but he wants to know, did they kick Sammy Knight out? I hope not. He's one of the most true USC Trojan family members from player to grad assistant and hopefully coach. Um, and I, I'll just chime in a little bit, Coach. You know, Melvin, uh, you know, it, it looked like he was definitely going to be a candidate. Um, wasn't the, the hire, eventual hire. It does not seem like he's going to be back. He has one more year as a grad assistant. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case. So we don't really know exactly what was going on with Sam. We've tried to get a hold of him to no avail. I don't know if you know anything more, Coach, but you're right. I mean, he, they've hired all the permanent assistant coaches, uh, the full-time coaches. So, I mean, he could still be a grad assistant again, but from what we're hearing, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think um... – Sammy came in, uh, uh, took over a difficult situation there. I think he did a very good job of coaching. Of course, I don't know the inside of, of the staff, but I thought the secondary really played well at the end of the year. They tackled 100% better than they did earlier. They weren't blocking people down. They were wrapping up and making good tackles. thought their coverages were much better. And I think they had they did a good job under his leadership. But Coach Kiffin had his way of doing it. And if he would have hired him, let's look at it this way, guys. He would have hired him immediately, okay? They wouldn't have been this long period of time that he was not. I don't think he was a part of the recruiting staff that was going out there. Ryan, you might know that. I, but I don't think he was out recruiting. He was early on, He was, but then it wasn't later on, he wasn't. So I think it was happening for a while, but then, and I, I think they could make him a full-time member, at least temporarily, because they had spots open. That's what they did with Pat Hayden. He had to take the recruiting test and all that. But it seemed like, from what we were told, Sammy Knight was involved a little bit earlier, I think sometimes like December-ish, but not as much like in January, from what I was told. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. So I think he saw that he wasn't going to be hired, and, and he comes to USC as a graduate assistant in a lot of cases to either get a full-time position at USC if someone leaves or to move on somewhere else, as other GAs have done, and get a full-time position somewhere else or coaching somewhere else. Now, I haven't heard of him uh, surfacing anywhere as far as coaching, and since I believe he wasn't hired right away, my thoughts were, He said, if you're not going to hire me, then I'm gone. And I hate to say it like that, but that's probably what happened. And they utilized that open position, what they can do with Pat Hayden or whoever they felt like doing, to fulfill that open spot that so many coaches can go on the road. And I think that happened. I think he did a great job, but I don't know reasons for or for not his his hiring. But I think... uh, uh, when you don't hire a GA, when you have an opening pos- at a position, especially a GA that was coaching, that was a full secondary coach, 
during the second half of your season or whatever, then uh, you know you're not going to get the job. Okay, let's see. Andre wants to know, uh, in terms of the 75-man roster, that would be instead of 85 scholarships, USC has to now, because of the NCAA sanctions, go down to 75. He says, will the coaching staff have to be half the roster set at 75 before June or before the start of fall classes? And our understanding, coaches, it's right before the beginning of fall camp. So uh, our count right now is there's a 77 players on scholarship. So over the next several months, they'll figure out something to do and get it down to 75. I mean, it's pretty easy. If a kid doesn't get into school, there's one. Uh, they would, you know, walk on or two that were given scholarships that, that those could be, you know, those are yearly renewed. Those could be taken away. So I think they're kind of waiting and see, wait, wait and see approach right now. But to answer Andre's question, it's before fall camp is when it has to go. And coach, no one's ever had to do this before. This is all kind of new territory for Lane Kiffin. No, I agree. And uh, I don't see any problem with getting at 75. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the kids themselves know who they are or who's on the bubble. Because it's beyond the control of the coaches themselves. It's a situation that they know that probably the least two people that are in a position to help the team will probably be those two people. They have no choice. And uh, Or if someone doesn't qualify coming in, which we all hope doesn't happen, because they're all outstanding recruits, then uh, that could create the two positions but there'll be always a place there where someone will transfer after spring practice or whatever or not be eligible or something where those two positions will open up and uh, so that's not a big concern to me uh, or it shouldn't be and I think that they have a plan for all of this and I think that plan so far has been implemented just beautifully it has coach and uh and having the 10 and 2 season certainly helped signing the class of 2012 and, you know, projected to be one of the top teams in the country in 2012 will certainly do wonders for the class of 2013. And you can get through that. There's only one year left. And uh, I mean, I I think I like the way the plan worked out where he kind of took it into chunks. It's almost just like you have this huge project ahead of you. You break it up into pieces and you kind of attack those pieces one at a time. He's been doing that. The, The bull ban is gone. The first year of, scholarship sections are gone the 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 free agency period is over you know where people could transfer so so far the teams has has survived and and thrived and now you got to get through two more years of of scholarship cuts and um so far it seems like the the plan he put in place that he doesn't really like to talk about all that much and i i can understand why he doesn't want to tell everyone what his strategy is but so far you got to give him props the plan has worked it has worked and i tell you right now they have 18 scholarships for next year which is three more than what they were supposed to have. So uh, that's a nice number. They have something like freshmen. I think they have 30 freshmen out of the number of 75, which uh, is a great number as far as a a good foundation for the next couple of years until they get through this uh, period you just discussed. And one thing I believe they can do, Ryan, and, I, and, and, you know, I don't have any documentation on this, but I believe that when these sanctions are over, if they're at the number of 75, depending on what numbers they have as seniors and how the numbers go down, I believe they'll be able to go back up to 85. So depending on what their numbers are as far as seniors and so on, that possibly could allow them another 10 scholarships. And if that happens, then they'd be able to bring in a class of maybe 35. Now, I don't believe you're limited to 25 athletes a year. I believe you're limited to 25 athletes up to the number of a total of 85. So if that happens, they would be able to go out and have a huge recruiting year. Now, I'm not certain on that. But that's the way it was when I coached, and I think it's that way. But I see some schools, when they're doing their signings now, that are above 25 scholarships. That's interesting. I haven't heard that, Coach. I'll have to look into it. I can. Uh, we've had a pretty open line of communication with uh, USC Compliance. They've got a lot more people in, in staff right now, and they've been very helpful. They've helped us with a lot of these little rules and nuances with the, the sanctions. So I can follow up on that and check on that and see what they say. Um, let's see, let's go. We got a few more to get to Andre 
also wants to know about Armand Armstead. Has he transferred yet? Is he still enrolled in grad courses at USC? What are the possibilities he stays at USC? Well, we ended up taking him off of our scholarship distribution chart. Um, you know, he's not part of the football program anymore. He's supposed to still be taking grad school. I haven't um, got an update from that in, in a few weeks, but it, people have kind of been holding out hope, Coach, that Armstead would stick around, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the case. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I don't think there's a good relationship there right now. Uh, of course, I don't know. I, I'm sure the kid is is friendly with the coaches and so on, but, you know, his brother – uh, did not come to USC, and he always wanted to be a Trojan, and he had committed to USC and didn't come. I would say Armand's in a very strange position uh, as far as walking around campus at USC. I don't know if it's him or his parents or whatever, but he's in a very difficult situation. Here's a young man that wants to play football. He's not allowed to play football because of medical reasons, and I'm not going to guess at what they are. I've heard, and everybody else has heard rumors of this and that. But obviously, it's for his best benefit. And if a parent is upset because a medical staff is caring about your child and he's not able to play, I'd say, wow. I mean, there's more to life. There's one kid. What's his name? Telford. That's there. Going to be a, is in. Going to go to medical school. SC is. SC has taken care of him the entire way. I mean, that's that's to be commendable. So, it's. I think that he should. He'll transfer. I, I mean, uh, unless he's going to pay his own way. Because I'm sure that UIC is going to take him off of scholarship. I, I would. I would assume that. I don't care. What's happening? Yeah, because if he would have, his brother would have come, and maybe they'd have kept him on scholarship because they're working together as a team. But right now, I would say that uh, he'll transfer. If someone makes him eligible and clears him, so be it. I have no, nothing to say on that, as others have when they've transferred to other schools. But if he was my son, I'd want him healthy and no chances. Yeah, and we, you know he could go in the NFL draft too. So we'll see. There's some different options there. We'll we'll know more. I think coming but he's up. He still got to get cleared there too. Yeah, I mean there, there's doctors everywhere. So we, you know we wish him the best and hopefully you know sure number one do. number one priority is his health and then if he can still play football that would be great as well. Uh, let's let's try to knock these last couple out. Chevy Blue, coach. He has kind of a long question, but I'll just sum it up. He said there's a lot of rumors about Ed Orgeron being mentioned for other jobs, and you already talked about this with assistant coaches. You have a great assistant like Ed Orgeron. People are going to talk about him. And I know there were some rumors on the peristyle at uscfootball.com recently, Coach, but he also went and spoke to a Trojan Club of Orange County, I think it was last week, and was you know his usual self. Didn't seem like there was any kind of issues there. But I don't know. Have you heard anything on Coach Ed Orgeron? I have heard nothing. Uh, he's a respected coach. He's a great guy. I've known him for a long period of time. I know his family. Uh, uh, I'm sure he would have an opportunity to move at any time to the NFL as a defensive line coach. If he wants to remain in college football, I don't think there's a better place as far as an assistant coach than USC for Ed. Everybody there loves him. He has a He's a recruiting coordinator. He loves recruiting. And I think he really loves being a part of the USC Trojan family, and the family loves him. This is my opinion, talking to him, watching him work, and so on. Should it be another head football coach? Absolutely. If he was to get another great job, I think he would learn a lot more. Uh, I'll tell you, Houston Nutt at Mississippi won only because of he, he had Ed Orgeron's players that he inherited. He had a great bunch of players down there. Houston Nutt went down there, had a couple of successful years. They ran out of Orgeron's players, and Houston lost his job. So, yeah, I think he might change things a little bit if he's a head football coach again in the, on the college level. Uh, might be a little bit different on the way he approaches uh, his staff and the way he does things, but absolutely 
you know, there aren't a lot of great candidates out there to be head football coaches. And the number one thing is, can he recruit? Urban Meyer went into Ohio State. And what happens? They're arguing now on who had the best recruiting year, Alabama or Ohio State. Name recognition is so important to kids and coaches. And he's, uh, he's from Louisiana. He knows the South. He knows the country. I think absolutely he'd be another great head football coach. But now there's not, they're not hiring any head football coaches in uh, college football right now. And the NFL, I would say right now, no, he's not leaving because uh, those jobs have more or less been done. I think Ed's a Trojan for a year at least. I, I agree with you, Coach. And uh, one last thing, a quick one from Melvin. He's like, what's the story with Ray Malaluga and his off-field troubles? I know he had some issues while at USC, but I thought he had grown up since then and would become a good pro, but more importantly, a productive citizen. And, uh, yeah, I think it was last week, Coach, he ended up getting arrested. I, I think he pled not guilty. I, I don't remember what the thing was, but for punching like a, a, the bartender or a, a bouncer at a bar or something like that. And then, of course, he had the arrest I think it was 2010 where he had a DUI. So he's had a few issues there since he's been in the NFL. It's a shame to see because he's definitely a fun guy to cover, and it was a lot of fun to talk to. Well, you know, you got to look at it both sides of this, okay? First of all, all we hear is the media side of it. We don't know exactly what happened. First of all, if he punched the guys in the, in the nose, if he punched somebody, the guy wouldn't be around very long. He'd be talking through his eardrums to, to tell what happened. So, you know, I don't know if he punched the guy, shoved the guy, or if the guy provoked him. You don't know. You know, these guys are celebrities. They go places. People yell names names at them. They say things. People are – I've been in places where people say crude things to you, not necessarily to me as much as a well-recognized person as a pro player. The Bengals stink. You miss a tackle. You can't play. And after a period of time – you know, you say, hey, buddy, that's enough. The other guy can provoke you. So I'm not sticking up for Ray. A DUI is something no one wants. Having a DUI is a very dangerous thing to be under the influence driving a car. Not only could you injure yourself, you could injure many people. That I can't condone. Everyone understands you should take a designated driver with you when you're going somewhere. But as far as some of these other things, as far as punching and stuff, I've had players be cleared of things when I found out they were actually jumped. They were jumped in the bathroom, and they floored a couple of guys, and the guys came out and say it was opposite, that he jumped us. So, hey, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt that you're innocent until proven guilty, and sometimes the media doesn't do that. And I don't want to say that I'm not media, but I'm talking on the side of least give him the benefit of the doubt. All I know, if he punched somebody in the mouth, I wouldn't want him to punch me anywhere, okay? <laughs> that you would be injured or in the hospital because those guys can deliver a blow. So that's all my – the only way I'm going to explain that was I – a coach can't defend him. He's a, he's a man. Uh, he's probably – if he had a chance to think about it, he says, how can I let these idiots get to me like this? But that's probably the situation. But he can't do those things because he's got a lot of money, and what are these people doing? They're trying to sue him to collect some funds from him or settle out of court with him, all of these different things. So you can't allow your emotion to take over. And I know a lot of people out there are thinking, coach is crazy, he's defending the player. Well, I'm just defending what's right and wrong, and a lot of times, I don't know, uh, you can go out to dinner and people can provoke you, but you got to think about what you do. And all I know, if he really punched that guy, that guy's fortunate, his head, he isn't on the wall like a picture. <laughs> all right, Coach. Well, thanks again. We went a little long, but I appreciate you coming on the show and answering everyone's questions, and we look forward to talking again next week. All right, buddy. And again, I want to thank you and all of our people out there to keep sending these questions in. And if you're uh, from the San Diego Trojan Club, I'm going to be down there, and I'll see you on Thursday. Sounds great. Go visit Coach down there. And uh, everyone else, have a very happy President's Day. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking with Gerard Martinez, USCFootball.com recruiting analyst. 
us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have Gerard Martinez on the line. He took a nice long three, four, five-day weekend or so. Took a little bit of time away from the site. Much deserved, we have to say. So, But we do welcome Gerard back on the podcast today. Gerard, how you doing, man? Everything good? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Got a couple days off. First real weekend, I got to observe not being on the website <laughs> at all. And, uh, you know, as much as I enjoy the smiling faces on the peristyle every day, uh, definitely need a little bit of time away from the site now and again. And we just rolled, you know, right in from the 2012 signing class, right into 2013 junior day. And so uh, it's been pretty seamless, the coverage of recruiting on USCfootball.com. So uh, hopefully nobody missed me. And uh, we'll just keep rolling on, and we got spring ball around the corner. We do for sure. There's a uh, spring ball to cover. Did you get a uh, guitar time in there? I did. I actually did. I actually picked up the guitar. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was just talking to somebody else about that. <laughs> I did pick up the guitar for like the first time, and I don't know, probably three months. And I play a guitar pretty religiously, and uh, just you know, it's just one of those things when it, when you get that busy you have to start cutting certain things that you do out of your life. <laughs> and, and playing guitar was one of them. Just don't have those hours on days when you can just kind of sit down and, and mess around with a guitar and mess around with different songs. So, yeah, that was uh, kind of cool. Uh, picked up the flamenco guitar a little bit and uh, played a little opus and a little little classical here and there, just plucking away. Maybe I'll get the electric out uh, here soon. But, um, yeah, so that was good. Good, All right. good thing to keep your mind off of uh, – the constant uh, craziness of the recruiting process that never, ever ends. A little more fun to play guitar than think about what 16- and 17-year-olds are going to do, but that's good. I think you needed the break. Hopefully uh, you got your batteries recharged, and I guess we're going to jump right in. Uh, while you were uh, sleeping, or you know what was going on, that USC hired three assistant coaches, we actually have a voicemail question on that. Here you go. Hi, this is J.D. from uh, D.C., uh, a couple of questions about the three new intriguing coaching hires. First of all, Gerard, what are you hearing and what is your assessment of these guys' uh, recruiting abilities? Uh, for one, it appears that they uh, cover three different geographic areas, which sounds very strategic. Uh, and then the other question is, doesn't this suggest that uh, both Ed O and Monty will be uh, staying around for at least a couple of years, which is a good sign for coaching stability. Uh, I wouldn't call these coaches, you know, young per se, but they don't have the kind of pedigree or experience um, uh, that they won't need and benefit from mentoring from two of these more senior coaches. And then obviously Monty can kind of slide into retirement in a couple of years uh, or into a senior advisory position as these guys take on more responsibilities. Yes, three new coaching hires. And we actually talked about two new coaching hires uh, in the uh, podcast last week. So I uh, haven't been gone that long. Those, those uh, <laughs> actual coaching hires were, um, were announced at the junior day, which uh, we covered you know, from front to back there uh, with a lot of uh, news and some scholarship offers going out. No commitments from the junior day. But obviously that was kind of probably the biggest uh, news that came from the junior day was the announcement of uh, the hiring of uh, Scotty Hazelton from North Dakota State, the linebacker and defensive coordinator, and Marvin Sanders, who was a coach at Nebraska and who actually was slated to go ahead and coach at Florida Atlantic before ending up, you know, here at USC. So uh, they had those two hires, um, you know, a, a week ago or so, and um, you know, we talked about it there. It seems like Marvin Sanders, just in terms of reputation with Nebraska, uh, that in itself, I think, is definitely stirring up some interest on the recruiting trail. Um, 
I don't know him personally, haven't had much contact with him personally, uh, ha- haven't really gotten much vibe from um, you know other people that do know him as to what type of recruiter he is. Nebraska is kind of in a weird situation because Nebraska is still kind of trying to get back to those glory years. And being that you're in Lincoln and you're so far removed from those real power states, um, you got to win at Nebraska before that recruiting is going to really take hold. And Nebraska, even back in their glory days, was not necessarily uh, a big, you know, national recruiting power. Not the way that you've seen with USC or even Florida when they were winning with Urban Meyer, um, you know, Alabama with Nick Saban. Uh, They've really been kind of one of those programs that had a lot of redshirt seniors and a lot of their offensive linemen were from Nebraska. They actually had a lot of players that were locally, and then they'd sprinkle some guys in like Tommy Frazier and, and uh, you know some of those players that were able to come in and, and be the skill players for them, and they get from places like Florida, California, and Texas. So it's hard to really gauge you know, how good of a recruiter uh, Marvin Sanders is going to be because he's going to be much closer to a real power state uh, being in Southern California where he can – pretty much get guys um, like a Kevon Seymour or some of these other players that are defensive backs uh, that are just closer by or easier, more accessible to recruit. Um, so we'll see. I think first and foremost, I think what you know USC fans have to be hopeful for is that they're good coaches and they develop the talent that's on the roster because that is always something that I think more than recruiting, being able to evaluate the talent that you have on the roster, being able to get those guys to play for you and to buy into your system and to buying into your coaching philosophy is always big. And when you start to win, you have success, and you put guys in the NFL because of that, then you automatically become a good recruiter. Your coaching recruits itself. So I think with Marvin Sanders specifically, that's something to watch for with him. You know, there have been some really – some, some really good, kind words from some of the players that have met with him already, and they talked about him being very intense and talked about him from a personality standpoint being the guy that they're excited to play for. So obviously I think from that standpoint, that probably reflects well for recruiting as well. Scotty Hazleton, don't know anything about him, haven't heard much from the current players on the team, uh, you know, what kind of meetings and what kind of, uh, kind of response that there's been um, from the communication they've had with him. Um, again, that's more of a coaching hire than it is necessarily recruiting hire because Scotty Hazleton's got to come in and he's recruiting at a whole different level uh, at North Dakota, North Dakota State uh, and going to USC. You, you're almost comparing it just like it is with football. I mean, it's such a higher level up in terms of the players you're going to be going after just the way the recruiting process is. You know, you have to recruit at North Dakota State, but you're really recruiting guys that – um, that, that are kind of getting funneled to you more. It's, it's, it's really more like I think you would get recruiting on a junior college level than on, you know, a Division One level. And so this is, you know, going to be your recruiting guys that are going to be recruited by everybody else, and you got to have kind of uh, a certain way about you to make, you make yourself really separate and stand out from all the other coaches out there nationally that are going after these same guys. So with him – we're going we're gonna to see, you know, hey, we just really don't have any kind of read on him. The last coach that they had that they just hired is T. Martin, who was coaching at Kentucky. And now T. Martin I do have some familiarity with, and, and I, I do know some people that know him directly and know about his ability to recruit. And they talk about him being a fantastic recruiter, talking about him being a guy that's uh, enthusiastic, has a lot of energy, obviously playing at Tennessee those years and being successful there uh, as a quarterback and being a guy that's the focal point of a university as big as Tennessee during that run, I think it gives him a lot of exposure with recruits. Now, granted, on the West Coast, you know, probably less so, but in the Southeast, more so. And that's where USC is going to continue to recruit. They have to kind of be careful not to get too enamored with some of these guys down there in the southeast and just throwing a bunch of offers into Florida and Georgia. Um, but they're going to try to, you know, cherry pick some guys. And I think with T. Martin, he sounds like he's a guy that's relentless. He knows the game. He knows the game from different perspectives, which I think is important. I mean, being a quarterback, first and foremost, you've got to know offense across the board. You've got to know your protections. You've got to know what the offensive line is doing. You have to know what your running back is supposed to be doing, who's supposed to be where, who's lining up where, what they're supposed to be doing once the ball snaps. So just in general, I think he has a good understanding of offense. And then as a receivers coach, he's been able to go in and, and, and really have some success early on. And again, kind of a guy that when you have a, a, a receivers coach as your head coach, and Lane Kiffin, you don't necessarily need to have a guy at the receiver position that's coaching that that has to be 
this, you know, big-time guru-type receivers coach. You know, there, there can be some redundancy there with Lane Kiffin if he doesn't like the way things are being taught or how things are going. So um, from a coaching standpoint, that's an easier hire to be made. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, it sounds like he is more of an ace recruiter, a guy that USC is definitely going to be able to ride a little bit there in the southeast. Okay. Uh, thanks for that question, uh, J.D. There was another one on running backs we wanted to get to. Uh, he's mentioning a few California running backs wanting to know if USC has interest, if you think there's going to be an offer there. And I can go over the list real quick. It's uh, Dion Martin from Bakersfield, uh, LeVon Coleman from Lompoc, uh, Craig Lee, he's from uh, Redlands, uh, Terrell, uh, I think it's Newby, is that how you pronounce Newby, it? Newby, yep. Uh, from West Hills. Marquette Washington uh, from Fontana. I like that name. Oh, this is an interesting one from uh, Norco. Joseph, it's his last name, A-G-E-G-I-B-E. I don't want to butcher it. I'm not sure if you know how to pronounce Ajibe it. Ajibe from, from Norco High School? Yeah, yes. Ajibe. Ajibe, okay. And then Aaron Baltazar from Chula Vista. Well, okay, so the question is, Who's going to get scholarship offers from that list? Well, that's that's I can't tell the future. My crystal ball is uh, it's still on vacation, unfortunately, um, and it will be on vacation until probably you know January. But um, as far as making predictions as to who has uh, a legitimate shot to get his scholarship offers, uh, from my own personal evaluations, and I have not seen all these guys play in person, um, but I have seen Craig Lee and I've seen Craig Lee's tape, and I am a big fan of Craig Lee. USC right now, and we're actually writing a piece uh, about the 2013 running backs in the 2013 running back spotlight, and that's going to be a feature coming on uscfootball.com very soon. Uh, Brian Bonifee, uh, staff writer for us, who does some stuff for us, and, and always kind of a, a guy that likes to look ahead a little bit uh, with uh, some of these recruiting classes, um, kind of teaming up with me to put together a, a real in-depth look at the running back class right now. And one of the things that stands out is that every running back that USC has offered a scholarship verbally to uh, at this time, they are all over 200 pounds. So USC, out of the box, they want a guy that's a big power running back. And at the top of that list is Justin Davis, uh, you know, 6'1", 200, 205-pound running back from Stockton, Lincoln High School. And he got a scholarship offer at the junior day and appears USC is in uh, a good lead for him right now. Um, so really it's, it's been, you know, trying to find the guy who's the power back, the guy that's got some size, the guy that can move the change on third and short because they don't really have that on the roster. The guy that's going to compliment him, it has to be the faster guy. They, you know, not necessarily a tiny guy. Um, I don't think USC is in the market for another Curtis McNeil right now, but they want a guy that, that is speed first and they kind of, conjure up that storm of thunder and lightning that USC had with Reggie Bush and Lindell White many years ago. So Craig Lee, I think, just watching film, to me, he looks like a guy that could get that scholarship offer just based on the speed that he has, his ability to break big runs. You don't see people running him down. Uh, he sees a seam and he goes. He's a tough runner. You know, I've seen him play in person, saw him play against Reverend East Valley, and he was pretty quiet for most of the game outside of a really big 80-yard run for a touchdown, which was, you know, a tremendous run. So you kind of, you know, look at these different guys and you're looking for that guy to complement, you know, that other big back. You know, DJ Martin, Dion Martin, is is a kid that has a lot of hype. Um, he came as a sophomore and ended up being, you know, CIF uh, underclassman of the year or sophomore of the year that year. And then kind of last year had some issues with grades, it sounds like, and that kind of put him back a little bit, uh, I think, on the back burner with some of these schools, you know, in early scholarship offers. He's not necessarily a burner, uh, at least watching him on film. I think he's a guy that would have to go and have some really good track times this year for USC to kind of get more interested in him. So I don't think he's a guy that's necessarily you know, right there, ready to get an offer uh, anytime really soon. I think with that list, all of those guys, they kind of have to show that they have that legitimate speed. Not really seeing a ton of that on film with the majority of the guys that are mentioned. Um, haven't seen, you know, a ton of film on Balthazar. I don't know um, what's going on with him. And I, I know that, you know, he has an offer, I think, from UCLA already. Um, but, you know, Balthazar could be a guy that, Maybe there's some film out there, and it shows he's got some breakaway-type speed. But I think track times are going to be important this spring for a majority of those guys. If you're under 200 pounds, track times, I think, are going to be very important 
for that other complimentary back that USC gets. And, and there's a possibility they could go for three running backs in this 2013 class. I think if they do so, one of those running backs has to be an early enrollee. I think it's going to be tough for them to bring in three guys and put it towards that 2013. Remember, they do have three scholarship offers left over from the 2012 class that they're able to roll over for early enrollees in 2013. So we'll see how those are used. But um, at this point, the only guy that really stands out to me that I could see just from an evaluation standpoint could get an offer, uh, I think more than not, would be Craig Lee from Redlands High School. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go. David has a few questions here. He said, I heard several times you talk about USC wanting five defensive backs in the 2013 class. Is that based on common sense because USC graduates six defensive backs after this season or something heard by coaches or other sources? He wants to know what's that's going on. <laughs> actually heard from other sources. So that's uh, a source-placed bit of information for uscfootball.com fans. And I, I think it, it's probably pretty accurate from, from what I understand. Okay. And then he wants to also know, who are your fo- top five must-gets for, he, for, he said 2012, but I think he means 2013. His guess would be Cravens, Brown, Davis, Hutchings, and Redfield. Wow. Um, I don't know if there's really five must-gets. I mean, there's really not necessarily that many must-gets in any class. I mean, I don't think last year I would have necessarily labeled five guys must-gets. I think, uh, you know, last year, I think the one must-get that I labeled last year was Ellis McCarthy, the five-star defensive tackle from Monrovia that USC didn't sign. And I said he's a must-get because there was not a plan B for him. There was nobody that was almost as good as Ellis McCarthy that could do a lot of what Ellis McCarthy could do uh, from a contribute from, from contributing early in his, you know, freshman career, the way I thought that, you know, Ellis would be able to come into USC and make an impact as a three technique defensive tackle. So you're kind of looking at a guy that's plan A and then plan B is just way down the line. And you kind of don't know who that plan B really would be. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a guy in this class. I think, First and foremost, Justin Davis and securing his commitment, I think, is big. Must get, I wouldn't say must get only because there are some other backs out there nationally. Uh, a guy like Derek Green, who's six foot, 215 pounds, who ran a 4-3 at the VTO uh, combine last year uh, from Richmond, Virginia, who's a, a five-star level running back that you know has some interest in USC. He's going to be tough to get from back east, but that's a guy that you know is a possible you know Plan A type guy that USC could get. That if you don't get Justin Davis, it's like okay, well that's okay. We got you know we got Derek Green. You also have Ty Isaac, who's a 6-3, 215-pound running back from Juliet, Washington. And, uh, and this is a guy that's going to be coming out here this spring in about a month, and he's going to unofficially visit USC. And he's got some interest in USC, and he knows the depth chart is very thin at running back, and that's what he's looking for. So that's a guy that could also be maybe you know a guy that you could bring in instead of if you don't get uh, Justin Davis. But having said that, I think Justin Davis being local, being a guy that got his scholarship offer at junior day, being at USC right now, right here, leads for him, I think that's a guy you got to circle the wagons for, for sure, and get him for sure. So Cravens, you know, I think from a, uh, a emblematic type, symblematic type uh, standpoint in, in terms of bringing a guy in that's uh, that cornerstone recruit in a class, being the number one recruit right now in Southern California, five-star, um, a guy that grew up a USC fan and kind of has always looked at himself being one of those kind of Troy Palomalu type safeties at USC. I think to lose him would be tough. I think you could kind of say must get just because it, it, it would look bad for USC as a recruiting power to lose a guy like that to another school, especially if it was another Pac-12 school. So to some extent, I would say, okay, but, you know, truth be told, um, there are other safeties out there. You know, they haven't offered, uh, they haven't offered uh, Tahan Goodman, 6'2", uh, 195-pound safety from Ranch Cucamonga, who we saw at the B2G um, camp just uh, a couple weeks ago. That's a great-looking player right then and there. You don't get Sewell Cravens. You know, your plan B there is not that bad. You're not going that far down the list to have to find a guy that talent-wise 
is going to be able to replace that. Uh, but again, you know, I think USC fans would feel like, oh man, we missed out on Sue Cravens. Oh, let's go kill ourselves and throw ourselves off a bridge. That would probably be the reaction to that whole thing because they feel like they should get Sue Cravens. He's a guy that just is kind of one of those USC guys. And, you know, when he starts talking and, uh, about playing safety at USC and being like a Taylor Mays and being like a Troy Polamalu or a Darnell Bing. I mean, he's obviously a guy that knows USC and has watched USC, and I think you know a lot of people feel like that's where he should end up. So in that respect, I can see Sewell Cravens being there. But you know, Max Redfield again. You know, there's it's a great year for safeties, and as great as I think Max Redfield is, and I think he's up there right there with Sewell Cravens. Um, you know, if USC didn't get them, there would be some other guys. If if this was a class where there was a really amazing five-star left tackle, he would definitely be a must-get guy because this off-the-line class in 2013 is pretty average. It's not as bad as it was in 2011 and 2010, but it's not very good. So, you know, that would be one of those things where, you know, the second-best guy, it's like, uh, is, he, is he really not half as good as the best guy? Well, Unfortunately, there's no guy like that right now, um, at least, you know, in California that is a, is a ready-made type recruit for USC. So uh, that's kind of how I look at things when you start talking about muskets. It's, it's not even so much about where USC stands on the roster. It's just about where that, that kind of where that talent pool lies for that particular class and, and, and what else you can get out there and you can recruit. You know, I didn't think any of the left tackles or the tackles in last year's class were necessarily must-gets because there were so many of them. You know, I mean, you missed out on, you know, Kyle Murphy, you got Zach Banner. And if you missed out on, uh, you know, Andres Pete, there was other guys to get. You know, unfortunately, USC didn't get, you know, a, a quantity of guys in that last class, but they did get at least Zach Banner because, like I said, there was a few different guys that you could get and you could still have a successful offer. It's a blind class. All right. And he had one other question. How do you pronounce Nelson Aguilar's name? Did I get, did I get that right? There you go. Okay. <laughs> that was about as rapid fire as it's gotten. Thus that far. is, yes. Uh, so thanks, David, for that. Terry in Los Angeles wanted to know your evaluation and if USC is in a good place for these two players, running back uh, Derek Green out of Virginia, and then defensive lineman uh, Robert, it's like Nemditch, I think his name. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Mdeche. Um, is that his Mdeche? I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I, I've I've been told uh, how to pronounce his name in the past, but it's actually been so long since uh, I think it's Mdeche or something to, to something to that extent. Okay. Uh, we actually just talked about uh, um, you know, Derek uh, Green a little bit, so I won't cover him again. Um, but uh, Robert Mdeche is going to be a guy that's. He's just that national guy. You know, he's that number one recruit in the nation. Everybody wants him. USC did get on him early and did make an impression on him early and made his top five early. So if they can just maintain that top five, they're going to get an official visit, which is definitely at this point in the game what you're striving for if you're an out-of-state uh, you know, school trying to recruit him. So, um, you know, a fair shot at this point. You know, they, they, they're in the game. He's talking about USC. Has USC in his top five? If he's able to make an unofficial visit during the spring or during the summer, which he hasn't committed to, but if they're able to get him in, you know, for the Rising Stars camp, you start to double those chances. I mean, you saw what bringing kids in from out of state did for USC this last year with Nelson Aguilar and with uh, with Leonard Williams. Both those guys came into the Rising Stars camp and were able to camp at USC and spend a few days at USC, not just, you know, on the campus USC, but just acclimating to Southern California and getting comfortable with the coaching staff. And I think that that's really, really important if you're going to be recruiting a kid from across the country. So if you're able to get Robert MDJ in from, you know, Georgia and, and get him in for a Rising Stars camp or just at least get him in for an unofficial visit to the spring game or what have you, uh, I think that would be significant for USC and their chances of actually signing him on signing day. Otherwise, it's going to be tough and you kind of have to put all your cards on that official visit. And, you know, if it's late in the game, it just becomes one of those things where you kind of gamble and you cross your fingers on signing day because it's probably going to be a signing day type decision for him. Okay, and he had one other follow-up. Uh, off, uh, I'm sorry, uh, outside linebacker Matthew Thomas. He said, I noticed USC isn't recruiting him as of now. I saw a film, and his speed off the edge is amazing. He's rated pretty high by rivals. Not sure why USC isn't at least interested as of yet. They may get interested. I mean, we're 
again, we're just at the end of February here. <laughs> People have to always remember, and I said this last this last podcast, I mean, the recruits and the fans both have to kind of appreciate that we're a long ways away. I mean, we, we are, you know, 12 months away from signing day. 2013. I mean, we, we're, we're ways out. So there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. Obviously, with the outside linebacker position, we have to see what happens with USC. Um, there's some talk Scott Starr is going to move to middle linebacker just to maybe see the field a little faster, see how he plays there. Um, you know, I can see Jabari Ruffin maybe moving to defensive end, getting some reps there. You know, they want to be able to use the talent that they have, and there are other positions that they have to recruit in order to, for those guys to be able to contribute on the field because outside linebacker, as you can see, uh, you know, you have talent there, and you've got, you know, you've got Hayes Pullard, and you've got Deion Bailey, and then you've got those two freshmen that can also play there. So in terms of depth, you know, Trey Madden, uh, Anthony Sorrow, you know, it, it, that's not necessarily a real neat position. If you look at USC scholarship offers right now for 2013, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, running back, running back, running back, and then receiver because they obviously are trying to prepare for Robert Woods leaving early. Um, USC kind of interestingly is, is is not terribly deep at receiver. They're not bad, but they're not terribly deep either. We're going to have to see what happens with George Farmer. That's another kind of wild card in the running back slash receiver, um, you know, depth chart kind of situation. But uh, but so I mean that that's really where you've seen the majority of scholarship offers. They've actually been pretty stingy with defensive back offers thus far, uh, specifically a corner. You know, I think coming from junior day and talking to some of the kids, I get the vibe that there's definitely a Max Redfield, Sua Cravens duo kind of being pitched there. And I think those guys are really open to playing with each other. So, you know, the lack of offer to a guy, like I was talking about, you know, Hassan Goodman, I could kind of see why there might be not, not an offer there because maybe USC doesn't want to, kind of muddy up that situation and, and, and have anybody commit early and then they're still still trying to get Redfield and Stuart Cravens who, you know, don't want to commit early. They're, they're basically going to go through the process and take some visits before they make decisions. So, you know, I, I can see kind of where the strategy might be there and why there might be a lack of uh, a bunch of scholarship offers there. Um, but linebacker, very few and far between. Um, it's going to be on the defensive line because that's where USC needs to have some bodies. They need to get some guys at defensive end and defensive tackle and obviously, like we said, running back. So that's kind of where it's been. Um, not a lot of, uh, uh, you know, outside linebackers just because USC is pretty good at that position right now, depending on, like I said, what happens with the two incoming freshmen, Ruffin and Starr. Okay, then we got one last one, and we'll wrap up the podcast for this week. Gerard, why in the world hasn't USC offered John Lopez yet? Oh, my God. Why in the world? <laughs> What's happening? The sky is falling. Um, because they, I don't know, they recruited pretty well offensive line in the past two years, and so they could afford to be a lot more picky. Um, John Lopez, solid player. Uh, but a guy that hasn't necessarily developed a whole lot physically over the past year. Um, I think he's a guy that has to come in, has to camp, has to show that he has the right attitude. You know, he wants to be at USC. Uh, he wants to be coached. Um, he's been a guy that's just been on the radar for a long time. So I think USC has to go and they have to look at some other players. Uh, a guy like Nico Fowler, who's a 6'5", 275-pound offensive tackle from uh, St. John Bosco. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple other players out there that are a little low on the radar that uh, they have to kind of put more time in, I think, probably to evaluate. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just, you know, it becomes one of those things that the guys who basically go to the Rising Stars camp and perform well at the Rising Stars camp or the Lyman camp, which is a little earlier than that, are the guys that win scholarship offers. You know, Sean Harlow from uh, San Clemente, uh, the son of Pat Harlow. Uh, you have uh, Dane Crane, who's kind of uh, the, the, the shrimp of the Santa Margarita offensive line, which is, you know, uh, the shrimp of, you know, he's probably 6'1", almost 6'2", and he's, he's like the tiniest guy on the offensive line um, because their offensive line was gigantic last year. Uh, but a guy that might be the best player on that offensive line. You know, a lot of people talk about Eric Bunty, guy that we've seen in person a few times, has a scholarship offer from UCLA already. USC approached him and said that they would like him to gray shirt. You know, that's a guy who's about 6'7", 6'8", uh, 310, almost 320 pounds, who, uh, you know, I mean, he may not be the best guy on that offensive line from what I'm hearing. So, 
you got you got to just take your time. It's not a position, just like with outside linebacker, that you just want to start shotgunning offers out there um, indiscriminately. You really have to be able to evaluate that position and make sure that uh, that you're getting guys that you really, really want at that position. Uh, running back, they got to be a little more aggressive. Defensive tackle, defensive end, they have to be more aggressive. And that's what you're seeing in the scholarship offer. So a guy like John Lopez, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I would be surprised if it came – any earlier than the summer, um, if at all. All right. Well, Gerard, we really appreciate you coming on the show. As always, hope you enjoyed your time off and hope everyone enjoyed the Peristyle podcast this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right, Gerard. Thanks again. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. We know you have a choice when it comes to USC football podcast. Wait, actually, you don't. We're the only one. But still, we try to make it as pleasant of a ex- listening experience as possible. hope you do enjoy it. Go to peristylepodcast.com. Tell all your Trojan friends. They can listen to it as well. We'll talk to you all again next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 